John chapter 14 for me. I, um, I've had a really busy week, uh, but a really great week. I had a fantastic week. I was up at uh, Youth with a Mission uh, in Brisbane, and uh, I get the opportunity to go up to, off to YWAM every now and then and speak on their training schools. And we had about 60 uh, young people from about sort of 18 years of age to sort of mid-20s, uh, about 60 of them from all different parts of the world, and they all lumped together. And uh, I get to spend a week with them. And uh, this week I was uh, meant to be talking to them about the, on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And so we go through the, the Word of God and we have a look at what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit and, uh, you know, what, uh, what it means to be led by the Spirit, uh, what it means to uh, allow the Holy Spirit access to your life. Um, the big difference between the Christian religion as a religion and the Christian religion as an abundant life, as Jesus talked about in, in John 10.10, 10, the big difference is that one is about just trying to discover the rules, trying to find what the do's and don'ts are and make sure you do a lot of the do's and you don't do the don'ts because the don'ts are bad, the do's are good. So if we do more do's than we don't do don'ts, then we'll probably be good and, 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 and things will work out. Does that make sense? Amen. But relationship with God is, is, is about getting to know a person. It's about getting to know uh, a God. And out of that relationship and out of that love relationship with him, the more I get to know him, the less I need to worry about the do's and the don'ts because the more I get to know him, the less I want to do the don'ts. I just, I'm not interested in the don'ts anymore because I'm getting to know God more and I'm falling more in love with God. So the don'ts, instead of trying over here hard not to do the don'ts, I'm naturally not doing the don'ts because I'm being transformed by the love of God. I'm not interested in those don'ts anymore. And instead of being forced and ushered into doing the do's, uh, I don't need a rule book to say you have to do the do's and I didn't say do, do together. I said do the do's, not do, do. People laughing here saying, here we said do, do. No, do the do's. When I'm in love with somebody, that love is a motivating factor. When I fell in love with my wife, it motivated me to want to do the things that please this woman. Not forced to, not because I had to, but because I, I wanted to, because I love her. And, and the things that she doesn't like, like mullets, um, I got, you get rid of those things because if, if having a mullet to don't in this relationship, well, I don't want a mullet. So I'll cut my mullet off for the sake of, because, and it's not a, not a hassle, not a stress. I'm not, it's not like I've got it at home in a snap seal bag or anything, hanging on to it. Cause, you know, I, it's not like that. It's gone because the love I have for this woman changes me. And the love we have for God changes us. It changes us. So we're not following a set of rules and a rule book. We're following a person. In, in John 14, Jesus uh, said this, and this is, this is one of the first times where Jesus begins to talk to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And here's what he says. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I, I, I love that because it gets it right. If you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, don't try to keep my commandments if you're not in love with me. What is the point? Don't try to keep my commandments if you don't love me. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse. You know, do this, do that, don't do this. We're trying to earn this, 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 this love or this rite of passage to the Father when really what the Christian life is about is about falling in love with Jesus. 
It's about falling in love with God and, and the more consumed with him we are. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So the starting point is love me first. Don't focus on trying to obey all the commandments because that'll burn you out. It's dry, dead religion. Focus on loving me because if you love me, that will follow. Let's get the horse in front of the cart instead of having the cart in front of the horse. And that's what Jesus is saying. Um, the writer of John, I think it's in First John, he goes through and there's nearly a whole chapter there where he just keeps pushing this same point. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Those who don't love me don't obey my commandments. And it's about loving God. That's what this, this journey is about, this relationship that we have with God. It's about loving him. And if I focus my energy and passion on loving him and getting to know him, then the do's and don'ts kind of take care of themselves. It doesn't mean we throw the rule book out because here's what I know about God. The more I fall in love with him, the more I naturally, my, 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 my will and my emotions, everything conforms to Jesus. And the more I'm doing that, then all the other stuff takes place. I do do the do's and I don't do the don'ts. But the motivation is not working hard to try to make, to, to get God's love. It's, it's loving him, accepting the love he's got and chasing after him. When God wanted to communicate to men, when God wanted to save us, he didn't just chuck a rule book down from heaven and say, follow it. He sent his son in the form of a person and said, follow me. Follow me, love me. Anyway, I was at, why we this week, and I'm teaching on the topic of the Holy Spirit. And I had an amazing week. It was a great week there with these guys. A wonderful, wonderful bunch of people. All different denominational backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds. Uh, we had a great, uh, great time. Uh, one point, Adam Sandler, I know the comedian Adam Sandler, he was actually in the lectures. Uh, I thought it was him for about half a second, one of the guys at morning tea. He'd spent $70 because he found this lifelike size cutout of Adam Sandler going like this. And he brought it in, he put it at the back, right at the back of the thing. And I've got up after morning tea and I've quickly looked up and I've started to talk and I've seen Adam Sandler and I've looked away and I dead set thought, that's Adam Sandler. I had to stop and look up. Oh, it's a cutout. It was so lifelike. But the whole idea of the week was we talked about the Holy Spirit. But, but here's the thing. The, the Holy Spirit is not a doctrine to be understood. He's a person to be encountered. That's the reality. And so I always start my week when I teach on that topic with these schools is by saying that, 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 that this week I'm not just wanting you to take pages of notes and get information about the Holy Spirit. I, I really want you to encounter the Holy Spirit. I want you to encounter the Holy Spirit. I, I, I want you to realize that, that, that God through his Spirit lives inside of us. When you go and you look, and we're going to do this, I want to spend a number of weeks now, and we'll see how long it goes, but I, I just really feel like I want to glorify the Holy Spirit in this place. Let's talk about the third person of the Trinity, as we would say in religious theological terms. He's here with us. Jesus said, it's better for you if I go. It's better for you because if I don't go, the helper won't come. But if I go, I'm going to send the helper. And gee, I'll tell you what, Jesus painted this beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit and what he's here for and what he does in our life and, and, and the transforming power of the Spirit. And Jesus really said, uh, you know, I'm going up there. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but the Holy Spirit's here with us. And the Holy Spirit's job here is to glorify Jesus in and through our life. So we've got nothing to worry about. We don't need to get fearful and scared when we start talking about the Holy Spirit as if it's going to be some weird thing. And, you know, uh, that's not the picture that Jesus painted of the Holy Spirit. He painted a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work down here. So while I was there this week, it was, it was wonderful because 
I saw, we saw a few things happen, you know, we, we, it was about uh, a bit of teaching, but also about activation, getting these guys. Uh, the last day, uh, Friday, we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we got the guys up, and I got them praying for one another, and, 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 and moving in different things, and, and we saw people that wanted healing coming forward for prayer, and, uh, you know, we, we, we prayed for these guys, and we saw some things, uh, just little things, but it doesn't matter whether it's little or big. If you can't get excited about Jesus healing an ingrown toenail, don't ever think he'll let you raise the dead. Hey? If you can't get excited about Jesus healing a cold, don't, don't wait for him to give you the opportunity to heal a leper. Okay? We need to be excited about the stuff God does. No matter how, how small we think it is, we want to be a people that are excited. Every time God moves, it's significant. It's powerful. And God does things, you know. I had, had some, some, uh, this young European guy come and grab me at the end of the service and came running up to me and said, you know what, I've never, ever, ever thought that God could use me or speak through me. But he said, well, during one of the times where we were sort of activating things, he said, I just stepped out in faith. I just opened my mouth because I, I got this sentence. I thought God was saying something. I opened my mouth and he said, before you know it, just this, like in John 7, Jesus said, out of your belly, if you thirst, come to me. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And he said, just all this stuff that's coming out. And these people are going, wow, that's God. There are people weeping and crying and, and God speaking to them. And it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, time. Uh, with them, on 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 the last day, just as I was about to leave, I had um, uh, uh, I'd finished, and I'd put the you know they'd taken the microphone and they were thanking me, and I and I asked the the leader of the the school, could I just have the microphone back? I just feel like I'm not empty yet. I've just got one thing to say. So I feel like there's a, 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 a and and part of the week had been talking about surrendering to God. Uh, Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. He spoke of himself, but the principle spiritually is the same. The more we die to ourselves, the more we allow God to live through us, the more fruit we bear and the more things we see God do in the world around us. And it's not weird. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be, be like a horror film, you know? It doesn't have to be Freaky Friday, all right? People start talking about this stuff and we all get these images of what we used to see back in the 80s or the 90s or, you know, people on their all fours barking like dogs and, oh, don't laugh, it happened. It's, it's happened. It's happened, you know. We've all been there. We've all seen that kind of stuff. But, but I, I, I fear, though, here's what William Booth, I want to read something that William Booth said before he passed away. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army and I just wrote this down this morning before I came to church. Here's what William Booth prophesied about the church in the 20th or 21st century. Here's what he said, his fears for the church. He said, the chief danger of the 20th or 21st century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. I read that this morning. I've read it before, but I read it again, and I thought, my goodness. Wow, how, how accurate is that a description of life today? Religion without the Holy Spirit. Religion without the Holy Spirit. In other words, let's just hear these words on paper. Let's go about, let's continue to do life in our strength. Let's continue to do life with our own wisdom. Let's continue to do life the way we think is best. You know, if somebody's sick, let's just automatically send them to a doctor. And I'm all for doctors, by the way. I'm all for doctors, 100%. But let's not even think that it's normal to lay hands on a sick person and pray anymore and expect God to do something. If people have issues, let's just chuff them off to psychologists and psychiatrists and counsellors, and I'm 100% for that. I really am. But what if God wants to do something? What if the Holy Spirit wants to, to come and do something in their life? What if it's not just a natural chemical thing? What if there actually is a demonic realm there? And what if, 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 if the enemy really does have a hold of them? Do you think a psychiatrist is going to get rid of that? You know? But there's this great power of God upon us, the Holy Spirit that moves through us. We've got religion without the Holy Spirit. Christianity without Christ. 
Christianity without Christ. And just because we talk about Jesus, it doesn't mean that we've got Christ there. Are we talking about the Jesus the Bible talks about? Are we talking about this one? Are we talking about the one that said that, you know, there's a way, I'm the way, the truth, the life, not one of the ways. Not a Jesus who says, it's okay, just put me on the shelf with all the others. It's all right, I'm okay with that, I'm sweet with it. Well, I don't see that Jesus in the Bible. I see Jesus going, no, if you're going to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Make me number one. This is the, the Jesus I see in the Bible, you know. Forgiveness without repentance. Just come to Jesus, he'll just forgive all your sins. The Bible says repentance happens before forgiveness comes. And, and, but we just we have this cheap grace message that floats around that you don't have to really repent. You don't have to be really serious about it. Just come to Jesus. Well, hang on. The Bible teaches repentance and faith first. On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2 and, and the Bible says that tongues of fire rested upon 120 people and they spoke in all these other languages and the crowd heard them and Peter preaches this powerful message and, and, and the, the crowd are so convicted. Peter doesn't give an altar call. They shut him up in the middle, mid-sentence and go, what must we do? And he says, repent and believe, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He didn't hold back. He said, repent. You've got to repent. I know you want this end result. You want forgiveness, but you can't get forgiveness without repentance. You've got to admit and own, take responsibility for the stuff you've done in the life you've lived. Salvation without regeneration. We can just get saved and go to heaven with fire insurance. We don't need to be changed. Well, hang on a second. If I really love Jesus, I'm going to be changed. The Holy Spirit is working in me. He's changing my life. I'm not going to be the same person 10 years down the track, having walked with the Lord for 10 years, that I was 10 years ago. I should be changing. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does. That's part of what the Word of God does, part of what worship does. It transforms me. It regenerates me. It changes me. Politics without God. How many of you, like me, find it funny that three months ago, none of us in our wildest dreams thought we would have a Pentecostal prime minister in this country? Who even thought that three months ago? And all of a sudden, God goes, I'm going to do a couple of things. Whip, 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 bang, 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 pop, pop, bing. And now we've got a Pentecostal. I don't know how it works. I don't get it all. But I just find that funny that all of a sudden, that we, 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 we pray and we do this and, we do, and all these things and we can try to manipulate and who am I going to vote for and all this stuff. And God goes, you know what? That's great. Pray. Pick who you're going to vote for. Find out all the policies and that. But at the end of the day, guess what? There's Scott Morrison. <laughs> I just go, okay. Yeah, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, exactly, Jewish deputy. Exactly. So, and a shark supporter as well. Well, he, he, the proof is not perfect. You walked into that one. And heaven without hell. Heaven without hell. Nobody wants to talk about hell. I don't want to talk about hell myself. I don't like it. But it's a reality that, that, that accepting Jesus changes your eternal destination. We don't like to talk about it. I don't like to talk about it. But it's just what the picture the Bible paints, that if I've accepted Christ into my life, my eternal destination is different to a person who chooses not to. We have two different eternal destinations. Okay, We don't like talking about it, but it's a reality. It's in there. It's in the Bible. But the first one, religion without the Holy Spirit. I think, God, please don't ever let me fall into that. And I'm sure your prayer is the same too. But I look at certain areas of my life and parts of my life and even history of my life and my journey with God and I go, you know what, there are times where I feel like that could have been prophesied about me. And they're the moments where I got the driest. They're the moments where the Christian life was, was the most boring. They're the moments where I, I wanted to throw the towel in. They're the moments where I questioned, what is the point? How am I any different? What's happening here? And it's the moments where I forgot that I have the very presence of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me, guiding me, teaching me, leading me, comforting me, all these things that Jesus said about this member of the Godhead that is down here on earth now. Jesus is not here. He had his time. He's gone. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he said, I'm going to send my 
spirit. If I don't go, he said, the helper can't come. So I've got to do my job, get out of the way, go up there. I'm going to send the helper down. Jesus is not insecure about the presence of the Holy Spirit on earth. He's not insecure about it. He's not going, oh, no, the Spirit's down there now. He's going to draw everyone to himself. People aren't going to like me anymore. It's all going to be Holy Spirit. Hey, if it's really the Holy Spirit, one of the things that Jesus said, he will glorify me. He will point people back to me. Yet quite often we get in this presence of God or we, we go to meetings and they talk about the Holy Spirit. We get nervous. We get scared. What does that mean? What does that mean? What's that going to look like? How does that outwork itself? How does that outplay? And you know what? I think it, 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 it comes because I wonder how often we allow our theology and our belief system to be structured by other people's weirdness or bad experiences and not by the actual word of God. We need to let our beliefs be shaped by what this book says and not by experiences we may or may not have had or quite often experiences other people have had. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I don't think there's another realm of Christianity where there, haven't, where there are more weirder and bizarre things that have happened in the name of, of Jesus and in the name of, of, of Christianity. In John 14, it's, it's the first time that Jesus begins to talk about the Holy Spirit, one of the first times he brings it up with his disciples. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 15, he, <coughs> excuse me. he says, and I will pray the Father <coughs> and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Another helper. That word helper there can also be translated as a counsellor or a comforter. I'm going to send a comforter. The word uh, another in the, is an interesting Greek word. It's the Greek word alos, and it literally means one of the exact same kind. One of the exact same kind. So living inside of you right now, the presence of the Holy Spirit, is the exact same thing as Jesus walking beside you. Exact same thing. There's no difference. We've got this concept of a trinity and it can be confusing for us. Um, but the easiest way that I can <coughs> comprehend trinity in my head is H2O. Put it in the freezer, it becomes ice. Take it out of the freezer, let it thaw out in a jug, it becomes water. But it's still H2O, it's the same thing. And then put it on a stove, turn up the heat, it becomes steam or vapour. But it's the same thing, but three different forms. And that's the easiest way I can get my head around Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The exact same thing, but three different functions. And right now we have the Holy Spirit here with us, living inside of us, dwelling with us, continuing the work on the earth that Jesus did when he was here in the flesh. Only now, instead of being stuck to one place, one time, in the body of one man, now that spirit lives in each and every one of us. And when we go to school, we go to work, we leave this place, we take the very presence of Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit to that place. This is what the Bible teaches this is what the Bible says. Jesus said, when I go, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another helper, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, that he will always be with you. I love that word comforter because I think the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit brings comfort to us. The Holy Spirit leads and guides us just as Jesus did. Contrary to popular opinion, well, I shouldn't say popular opinion, but contrary to what a lot of people think, Jesus didn't wake up in the morning and go, how can I go and annoy people today? Who can I get in the face of and make them look stupid? Sometimes we think Jesus was like a shock jock. You know the radio DJ guys who are, who are employed because they're going to say something so controversial and so shocking that people by the millions will tune in. And that's why we have this phrase, shock jock. 
It's not that they're overly intelligent necessarily. It's not that they're, they're, they're overly comforting. It's not that they're necessarily achieving anything positive in society, but they'll get your attention because they're shocking. They'll shock you with their statements or their opinion or their perspective or something they just randomly do and then they'll spend the next six months in court and the station will fight off the charges and then they'll slap them on the wrist and say, don't do it again, but do do it again because look at the publicity we're getting and they go and do it again. And some people think that Jesus walked around like a shock jock, just trying to offend, trying to do the wrong thing. I know people, I know preachers, friends of mine, acquaintances, people that I've had time to do with. And, and if, they, if, they, if they came to this church and I gave them the microphone, they would get up and they would want to find what's the most controversial thing I can speak about because I want to shock you. And I see that and I go, but that's, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not what I read about. That's not the Holy Spirit I read about. That's not a comforter. That's not a comforter. That's not someone that's coming in, recognising as a gentleman his place and recognising where you're at and where I'm at. Now, there are times where God may do things outside of the capacity of my brain in order to bypass my brain to get to my heart. I, I, I believe that. But I don't believe that he runs around trying to do weird, wonderful and amazing things just for the sake of putting on a show. Just for the sake of putting on a show. Just for the sake of disrupting or, or shaking the apple cart, as it were. The Holy Spirit is not like that. But people think that. And of course, there's one of two reactions. Either number one, people go around and feel like it's actually okay to just be rude, be aggressive, be in people's faces. It's okay to offend and tag Jesus' name on the end of it. It's not. Or the other extreme is we're too scared of that, so we shut ourselves up from the Holy Spirit and we don't even allow him access. And both extremes are bad. Both extremes are wrong because the Holy Spirit wants access to our world. We need to learn to relax and know that when the Holy Spirit moves, when he, when he does things, it's, it's for the glorification of Jesus in us and the glorification of Jesus through us and in the community around us. I've had some weird experiences, I've got to be honest with you. Um, I remember when we first got married and we went to Bundaberg. We moved up there, we were doing missions, and then we decided to move up to Bundaberg. And uh, we had a couple of years out of missions while God was preparing us and getting things sorted in our hearts. And I remember we got there and I was pretty hungry for some fellowship. So I heard about a, 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 a Christian men's meeting that was going on in a, in a, in a, in a park. I should have known as soon as I found out where it was, I should have known this is not going to be good. Cause who, what Christian people meet in a, some back part of a swamp under a little hutchy type thing? It, it was bad to start with, but I went along anyway because I was just so hungry to hang out with some other people. So I went along to this meeting and I get in there and this guy's up there and he's, he's preaching and so on. It's all about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and so on. I don't remember anything he said, but what I do remember at the end he said uh, is there anyone here that's hungry for for, for more of God just wants a, a, a greater touch of God a greater uh, revelation of him a greater openness and awareness to him whatever and I was so hungry anytime anyone said if you want prayer for your hair to grow I would have gone forward for it because I just wanted God it wouldn't have mattered um, does anyone want their hair to grow I'm happy to pray people uh, Nick um, <laughs> some people don't want it to grow and that's okay nothing wrong with that it's still God. Um, so anyway, so I go up the front and they're praying for me. And here's what this guy does. He, he comes, leans down and he, get, he calls all the other men up. So they're all gathered around me. So here I am. I'm standing and there's all these men around me. They're all praying. And he goes to me, um, can you, do you pray in tongues? I don't want to get into the issue of tongues other than to say 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It is one of the manifestations of, of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I want to get to 1 Corinthians 12 because I think it's one of the most misunderstood chapters in the Bible. We'll get there somewhere down the track. But for now, he asked me, do you move in this gift? And I said, well, yeah, I, I, I do. And he said, rightio, can you uh, start praying in tongues? So I just very quietly, because it's my private prayer language between me and God. It's got nothing to do with you. So I'm just quietly praying. And here's what he did in front of everybody. 
he's got his hand on me and he gets his head down like this and he goes, what? What? Come on, what are you saying? And I'm saying, I'm just quietly praying to God. He goes, do you think God can really hear that? Come on. And he starts making fun of me in front of all these men. Starts mocking me. Come on, God can't hear that. I ended up turning around and saying, well, I'm not talking to you. I am talking to God. He can hear me. I don't care if you can't hear me. I'm, I'm actually praying to God. Anyway, I feel so embarrassed by that experience, so embarrassed by that encounter. A, I never, ever went back or anywhere near a meeting like that again. About three months later, I drove past the same swamp, and I think I saw all those men hanging upside down by their feet in the trees. Um, so, uh, But I never went back to that. I was so humiliated, so embarrassed. But I look back on that now and I go, you know what? That was not the Holy Spirit. That was not the comforter. That was not the comforter. Embarrassing me, putting me on the spot. When I was on in Youth with a Mission and I, I did my, my school of evangelism training, we used to get uh, all kinds of speakers come through and, and most of them were really, they were kind of raving Pentecostal, you know, people and you know, some of them, the spit would be flying, you know, and tomorrow would fight you and come, ta, 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 ta. and they'd be spitting all over you and stuff like that. And I remember going to lectures one day, for, me and three of my mates, we thought for a joke, we knew this speaker was coming, so we sat in the front row with raincoats on. Um, it probably wasn't the Holy Spirit. It didn't comfort him. He wasn't happy about it. Uh, didn't go down really well with our staff either. But anyway, it was, it was funny. You just come, ta, 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 like a butt rose. Ta, 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 ta. I remember he was praying for me once. I was standing up and he's praying for me. And he, he used to get in your personal space instead of just like praying. He'd be right up like, ah, and he'd be in my face. Ta, 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 I'm soaked. And I'm going, God, how am I supposed to focus on anything you might even want to say to me with this guy spraying me like this? So I pushed my toes forward into the ground, rocked backwards and fell down because that's always God, isn't it? When God moves you forward. So that was back when, unless you fell over, it wasn't God. Anyone remember those days? Every single time you were prayed for, you had to fall. If it wasn't God, you were what? You were resisting the Holy Spirit, you know? So anyway, I push on my toes and I go backwards thinking, great, I'm away from him now. He won't touch me again. You know what he did? I've got my eyes closed. Next thing I feel this, and I'm laying on the ground going, oh, I can't go anywhere. Now I'm stuck right He's just spraying me everywhere, you know? I used to hate that stuff. They'd come on in. Some of the speakers would come on in. And, 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 and if you didn't fall over, they would literally say, it was like the word of God to every speaker. If someone they prayed for wasn't falling, it was this generic word of, oh, I just feel you're resisting the Holy Spirit. I'm like, no, my foot's back. I'm actually resisting you. Stop pushing me. Stop pushing me. I used to do that. They'd start pushing and I would take my right leg and I would put it back and I would just start pushing forward on them. If that was smart, they would have pulled away. It would have gone flat on my face. And that would have been, you know, everyone, if that happened, everyone would probably start falling on their face then because that's what God's doing. Everyone's falling on their face now. All these weird things when it comes to the Holy Spirit, all these strange things. I don't know if anyone remembers a guy called Rodney Howard Brown. Do you remember Rodney Howard Brown? Yeah? I remember him sharing a story once. I was at a meeting in Brisbane. He came to Australia, South African preacher. And he shared this story of something that happened in Africa one time. And he said this pastor was... Uh, he, he was preaching and he was, he, he was a guy that moved really powerful in signs and wonders and that and he had a, a, a person come forward to pray, the first person in the prayer line. And so what he did was he had a cold that day and he was sneezing. So he walked up to this person and he went, and then he starts praying and while he's praying, anyway, he said within the next week, the whole ministry team of that church, next Sunday, start praying for people. What do you think they started doing? Well, we're going to pray. He said they started sneezing because that's what the preacher did and when you sneeze, the Holy Spirit moved and God did things. So everybody starts praying and sneezing over one another. How weird. I, I wonder sometimes, 
Jesus, you must be sitting on that throne shaking your head. The Holy Spirit must be running around the world shaking his head going, what is going on with these people? What is happening down there? This is madness. This is crazy. And then I go back and I read what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, that he was a comforter, that he's the comforter. He didn't come to shock me. He hasn't come to, to blow my box open. He hasn't come to offend me. He hasn't come to tell me I'm not spiritual. He hasn't come to make me fall over. He, you know what? It, it, all the manifestations, all the things, it's wonderful when people fall over. It's wonderful when you feel that presence. It's wonderful when you're in those environments. It's all wonderful. But the Holy Spirit is with you regardless. And he's doing a job regardless. He's inside of us regardless. And we don't need to be afraid of him. We don't need to close off. Here, a lot of people think this. And we we wouldn't say this. We wouldn't articulate it this way. But I want to throw a thought at you. A lot of people have more faith in the devil's ability to deceive you than you do in your father's ability to keep you on track. If I open myself up to this thing that that Jesus talked about called the Holy Spirit, if I actually open myself up to him, I'm afraid that the devil's going to take me down a weird path and get me off track. Well, who's watching over you? How fickle is your father's eyesight? How frail are your father's hands if we really think that? If we would open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, if we would open ourselves up and surrender ourselves to whatever God wants to do in our life, do we really think that your heavenly father is going to allow you to be taken down a trail of deception? It's like God is sitting there watching us. He's just, his eyes never come off us. But we're afraid because at that moment where I open myself up, what if a mosquito bites him on the leg and he's just watching? Ah! Oh, ah! Sorry, something got in. Sorry, sorry, I wasn't watching. My bad. We can open ourselves up to the Spirit of God. It doesn't have to look like anything. It doesn't have to sound like barking dogs. You don't have to fall over. None of this stuff was Jesus talking about when he prepared the disciples for the Holy Spirit's presence and the Holy Spirit's coming. He didn't say it's going to look like this, has to be like this, has to. But the picture he painted of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is a comforter. He is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do things you don't want to do. He's not going to drag you down deceptive paths. He's not going to take you away from God. As a matter of fact, if you want to glorify Jesus in your life, If you want your life to glorify Christ, this is what Jesus said. He'll take of mine, he'll give it to you. He will glorify me. He will glorify me. If I want to get close to the Father, if I want to fall more in love with Jesus, it's not an intellectual pathway that I need to go down. Let's get more knowledge about Jesus because that will make me more and more in love with him. No, it won't. It won't. Jesus said it's the Holy Spirit that will draw us to him. It's from within our spirit. It doesn't mean that we don't think. It doesn't mean that we don't feel. But we don't rely on these things. We don't live our Christian life out of our incredible intelligence and intellect. Christy, I'll get you to come on up. We're going to finish with a song this morning. I want to finish with a song. Continuing on, Jesus says this. He says, The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, Watch this, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Verse 18, I love this. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I won't leave you orphans, I'll come to you. 
I will not leave you orphans. Nobody in this room is an orphan. We've got some friends of ours, and we went and visited them last week, and, um, you know, wonderful, wonderful couple. And They've got a, a young boy that's come into their life that they've taken in, and I think just this week that young man has come to live with them and start a whole new life with this new family. When I think of an orphan, I think of this kid, child in the movies, in a big room with a thousand other kids. And all you are is a number. All you are is a space. You're just a seat. There's nothing special about you. There's nothing authentic about you. You're just another one of many. But Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. In other words, I'm going to take you away from that life. And by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you an identity as a child of God. I'm not going to change who you are. You know, when a, when, when, when a child, an orphan goes into care, that child's innate personality doesn't change. But that environment allows their real personality to thrive and to shine. They don't have to become somebody else. And when the Holy Spirit moves in our life, what he does he doesn't make us into someone else. You know, well, the Spirit comes upon me and I became somebody else. Well, I don't read that in the New Testament. I certainly can read that in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God rested upon people, never lived in people, rested upon people. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit lives in people. A very big difference. A very big difference. God doesn't expect you to become, you know, the raging prophet with the spit flying and all these stereotypes we have the Holy Spirit wants you to be fully you and lead you down a path where you're fully you but you're also fully open, you're fully open to the experiences of God and you're fully open to the invitations of God and you're fully open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through your life, the life of Christianity is found in a relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit Religion is found trying to have a relationship with the Father through rules and regulations. It's never was the intention of God. And you can continue through the rules and regulations, but you'll only frustrate yourself. Because the power inside of us to obey the rules and regulations, you know what that power is? It's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. I'll place my spirit in you, Ezekiel 36, and I'll cause you cause you to walk in my ways because I know without my spirit in you, you're not going to do it. You're going to fail and you're going to live a frustrated, frustrated life. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for this morning, God. Father, I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit Lord, in this place corporately, but also in each of us individually, Lord. And God, I pray over the next few weeks or months, whatever it is, Lord, as we, as we look at your word, God, as we, we dive into what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that, Lord, those little walls that maybe are going up, even, even, even this morning, God, when we start talking about experiences or encounters, God, when we start talking about these things, Lord, I pray, Father, you would draw us back to the Word of God. And, Father, the, the, the objections we have, if we can't find a basis in the Word of God for them, if we can't find a basis in the character and nature of our Father for those objections, then, Lord, I pray gently, come speak to us. Speak to us. Show us why we have those walls up. Show us why we resist God. Father, we're all on a journey of opening ourselves more and more to you. More and more to you. Thank you, Lord, you're committed to that journey.